have no fear. The Prince of Peace is here. And if I had to give my message a title this morning, it would be just that. Have no fear. The Prince of Peace is here. If you want to open your Bibles to Colossians 3, verse 15. I'm going to work on speaking a little bit more slowly today because a lot of times I get up here and, you know, I've had a lot of coffee in the morning. And I get up here and I'm all, the end. (laughs) And so today I'm going to work on just speaking a little bit more slowly and taking my time. Colossians 3, 15 through 16, and it's shortened just a little bit, but it says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord, knowing that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, that you are the Prince of Peace in our lives, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit just be in this place, that you open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to every peace robber that has ever been tempting us, that has tried to enter our mind and every lie that it has brought, Lord, that you would make us aware of that this morning, Lord. Lord, that you would do a work this morning in each and every one of us, Lord, so that we know that we could rest in your peace, Lord, that you have came, Lord, so that we could rest in peace. And Lord, I come against everything that would hinder your peace from being in this place this morning, Lord. Smash it, crush it, and destroy it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I just pray that you have your way, that you fill my mouth with words that you've intended for me to speak this morning. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. And in Jesus' holy name I come. I'm going to tell you a little story. I read this somewhere. Well, I read a story similar, and um, I adapted it to be more suited for me to tell the story. So, And you'll know why once I start reading it. There was a middle-aged woman who entered the doctor's waiting room at exactly 3 p.m., the split second her appointment was to begin. The doctor was a little late, so the nervous woman started pacing the floor, sucking her teeth, clenching her jaw, flipping on her phone, looking at it, and she was obviously irritated at the five-minute delay from the doctor. She entered the consultation room when the doctor came in, and he met with her, and he said, please sit down. And she snapped back, I don't have time to sit down. He said, well, you're going to have to if I'm going to examine you. What's your trouble, ma'am, the doctor asked. Trouble? Everything is trouble. My whole life situation is trouble. I work a full-time job. I have three kids. They're all in sports. I'm in school hoping to secure a future for my family. I have a household to take care of, a husband who wants my attention, and I'm totally run down. The doctor calmly began to go through her chart and through her examination, listening to her heart and her breathing. He took out his stethoscope, and he listened to her chest, took her blood pressure, and gave that, mm-hmm, and then came to his diagnosis. Ma'am, your problem is not that you're run down. Your problem is that you're so wound up. Well, give me some medicine for it, she said. What kind of medicine do you want? A tranquilizer? 
That's what I came to you for. I want something to calm me down. Just give me something to calm me down. How many of you ever feel like you need to go see your doctor just for something to calm you down? Because cares and worries have you so tightly wound. Give me something. The doctor responds, will you take whatever I prescribe? Of course I will. As she's checking her phone compulsively. You know, just hurry up. Let's get this over with. I got places to be, people to see, meals to fix, kids to drive, homework to do, and a husband to tend to. Let's do this already. So the doctor pulls out his prescription pad. He begins to scribble, you know, on this prescription pad. In that language, you know, only doctors could read. You look at it. You don't even know what it says. So the woman snatched the prescription, thanks, as she's yelling on her way out, and she goes to the pharmacist. And she sees the clerk at the counter. She tosses her this and says, can you fill this for me, you know, soon? And the clerk looked at it and looked up to her and said, ma'am, we don't have this in this drugstore. She said, what do you mean you don't have this? And the clerk looked at her and said, do you have a Bible? <laughs> and the woman says, yeah. She said, well, you need to get out your Bible and take three doses of Colossians 15, 16 every day. The woman went home and found the Bible on the table where it had been for a long time and dusted it off and opened Colossians 3, 15 and 16 and read, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts and let the word of God dwell in you richly. She called the doctor for an explanation and the doctor said, Ma'am, your problem is spiritual in nature. You live a stressful, noisy, confusing and competitive kind of life. You've let the pressure of life and all the cares of the world invade your innermost control center. The only cure for you is to let the peace of God reign and rule in your heart and knowing that the truth is found in his word. How many times have you and I gone on in life and been so consumed with all those things around us that the cares and the stress and the worry and the angst penetrate that deep place within you and and it we're left unprotected we're not letting the peace of God dwell in there because if the peace of God is what's dwelling in our innermost control center those things can't penetrate it but we have the tendency to go on in life and we get so dry so bone dry that we suck up anything around us and we begin to suck up those pe- or we begin to suck up the cares the stress the angst the to-do list i have a to do list at work. I have a to-do list at home. I mean, so many to-do lists that I can't even operate without my cell phone because I won't know what to do because my every action is driven off the to-do list that I have. And how many of you engage in that in this busy life? It's sad. We've become accustomed to just staying busy that when sometimes I go to sit on the couch and relax, I don't even know how to relax with nothing in my hand. I don't even know how to sit down and watch a movie because I'm worried about all these things that I need to do. That's not the peace of God dwelling within my heart. I'm not at rest with the Lord. I am tightly wound. And this woman that I 
read to you about is me at times in my life when the cares are just going that I think, what can I do? I'm going to call my doctor. I mean, that's, that's the answer most of us have, right? And I'm not trying to preach to you against going to your doctor or anything like that. But I'm talking to you about issues of spiritual nature that we want to mask with going to the doctors and taking a pill. That society's answer for everything today is popping a pill. I can tell you where popping a pill got me before, and I'm not willing to go there again because the Lord set me free. And when you are free, you are free indeed. We don't have to pop a pill for peace. Christ guarantees our peace. What are we taking three doses of daily? I do not need three doses of Xanax daily, although sometimes I feel like I might. But I know where that leads me. Those things quit working. They become ineffective. All of those things quit working. It's the Lord we need. We need his peace to reign and rule in our lives. I don't know. It might have been last Sunday or maybe the Sunday before, but Jen was singing that song, Freedom Reigns in This Place. And boy, I was just going and like, yeah, freedom reigns, you know. And I'm like, we should all be just running down the altar. And the Lord began to speak to my heart. And he said, the freedom when we, when we start shouting and, and all that, you know, we're thinking about freedom from death and sin. But does freedom truly reign in our life? Like in Jesus, freedom reigns, but does freedom truly reign in your life? And he began to show me the bondage that goes on in my mind over the worry and the angst and the obsession that I that his freedom is not reigning in my life. That if I go to bed at night worrying about things, that his freedom is not reigning in my life. That Jesus didn't come just so that I didn't die in sin. Jesus came so that his freedom can reign in my life. That I rest in his peace. That I don't have upset stomach and heartburn all the time because I'm so worried that that I don't have migraine headaches from stress, that I don't have high blood pressure because the cares of this world. If you have migraines, high blood pressure, GERD, all those things, is God's freedom really reigning in your life? We might be free from sin and death, but are you free from the worries that are consuming your mind? If you were thinking about something multiple times a day and it is unpleasant, you are not experiencing God's peace in your life, period. When we come to church and we hear inspirational messages, and, you know, Jeff spoke a message not too long ago, um, and it was great. I mean, I was on fire, and I was like, yeah, I'm ready to go do these things. I'm going to see how I need to get involved and all that stuff. And I'm going to be real. It was very short-lived. Do you want to know why? Because the cares of the world begin to bombard and choke those things out. We have the desire to do all these things, and it sounds good, and we hear these great messages at, at church, and we're ready, and, and I believe that that's going on in this church today. We all want vision. We all want purpose. We all want that, but where are the workers? We get excited, and we want to do it, and we hear this message, but it gets fizzled out because we don't know how to let God's peace reign in our life. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy, and when he sees a message go forth and penetrate to you, he is going to make sure that he can steal that as soon as he can from each person that will allow him. And those people that are going to allow him are the people that do not know how to rest in God's peace. The peace robbers he hits us with is 
worry, anxiety, busyness, high imaginations, you know, thought processes that aren't of the Lord, they're not real. These are the things that keep us from being who God called us to be and walking in that peace that he called us to walk in. The anxiety, it's the direct opposite of peace. You cannot have peace and be anxious about anything. They're, they're polar opposites. I want to talk about a few things that are our peace robbers. And the first one, and it's a big one, is sin. We all know what sin is. We all know we were born into sin. And um, I know that God came so that sin does not have power over us. But some of us, as Christians, still knowingly and purposely sin in our lives. The Lord has pointed things out in our life that he is not pleased with and he does not want us to do anymore, and we continue to do it. When we continue to do those things, that is sin in our life. That will rob you from peace because you know and have knowledge that the Lord wants something else for you and you are choosing to do something contrary to that. Isaiah 48.22 says, There is no peace for the wicked. I'm not calling any of you wicked, but sin is wicked. Sin is wickedness at its finest. There's no peace when we engage in the wickedness of sin. Sin, no matter how you slice it and dice it from murder to stealing a penny candy, is, it's all sin. What is the condition of our heart? Is it sinful? Do we have sin in our life? Simple. If you have sin in your life... Get down to an altar as soon as you can. Pray through. Have your brothers and sisters lay hands on you. Acknowledge it to the Lord. Ask for forgiveness and turn away. Repent just means turn away. And if you struggle with that area, ask the Lord to give you strength in that area. He didn't call you to do it alone. He just called you to have a willing heart. And when we have a willing heart and we invite him in there and say, Lord, I don't want to continue this way in my life, it's as simple as that. We ask him in and we ask him to give us the power to do these things. In the word, it says that he is strengthened in our weakness, that he will be made strong in those areas, and that if he be for you, who be against you? So if he be for me, even I can't be against me, right? If I truly have the desire for the Lord to reign in my life and to reign in my heart, and I ask him in there, you better believe the Holy Spirit is going to strengthen me to do those things each and every day when we get up. Holy Spirit, help me. I have this area of my life that I know has become sin because you do not want me to do it anymore. And so I pray that you forgive me and help me to go on without continuing in this area. And he will. You've repented. That's it. Let's move on. Second thing that will rob you of peace, it's the cares of this world. In Luke 8:14 it says the thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the message but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Are you anxious? Are you worried? Are you full of strife, always wanting and needing more, not ever satisfied with your portion, your lot, what the Lord has given you? Do you covet what people around you have? Have the cares of this world come in like thorns in your heart to steal what the Lord has for you, that's stealing your peace. We, as a society, it's like 
more, more, more. We're just consumers. We just can't get enough. And if we as Christians are not careful, the enemy will put that spirit on us. It will come into the church house and we will covet what other people have around us. And we will not be okay with what the Lord has given you and I. We are individuals. My life is different than Liz. The Lord has given Liz different gifts, callings, blessings than he's given me. And that's okay because we're individuals. He's called her to do different things with those things and what he's called me. And so we can't get so wrapped up with all these cares of what other people have because then we lose our peace. We are at peace when we know that Jesus Christ is enough. He's more than enough in my life, that he fulfills me, that he's more than able to meet my every need, that he is faithful to a thousand generations, that there is not nothing that I need and I lack as long as I am in him, that all my needs will be fulfilled. And we have to know those things or else our peace, our peace it, it starts to slip out, you know, when that desire for other things starts coming in, the peace starts to slip out. Another thing that steals our peace is busyness. Guilty. Just got to say, guilty. Luke 10, 40 through 41. But Martha was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are upset over all these details. There's really only one thing being concerned about, one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it. I will not take it away from her. See, Mary the whole time was just sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha was busying around, taking care of things, making sure the dishes were washed, whatever that looks like. You know, the water containers were full. You know, just staying busy. And Mary was at peace. At peace, at the feet of Jesus, just soaking up everything he had. Not a care in the world, not worrying about what the house looked like, not even worrying about if she burnt the biscuits or whatever. She didn't care. She was at Jesus' feet. And Jesus was telling Martha, that is what you need to be concerned about. I read a book a long time ago called Being, um, Being a Mary in a Martha World. And we all need to learn how to be a Mary in a Martha world. We are in a Martha society where it's all about doing and achieving, doing and achieving. And if you don't do and you don't achieve, you aren't anything. Everybody looks at you at what you have achieved. Most people in this world, the legacy they want to leave behind is what have you achieved? What can you pass on? And we want to know that we have sat at the feet of Jesus and that our legacy will be that that woman walked with such peace, that she passed on something to her children that could never be taken away, where moth and rust doesn't destroy, where famine and recession and depression cannot destroy. The one thing that is everlasting, and that's Jesus Christ. The busyness of the world will steal those things from you, but we have to know that in the world's chaos, how to sit at the feet of Jesus, leave your dishes in the sink, leave the clothes in the dryer, and sit at the feet of Jesus.
Another piece, Robber, is just life itself. Life itself. John 16, says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is warning people that there's going to be troubles in this life. He has given us his word and his Holy Spirit so that we would have peace. That we would have peace. That those troubles wouldn't rob us of the peace. But life has a way, I don't know about you, but my initial reaction is not peace. It's anxiousness. I go into fight or flight, right? How am I going to figure this out? Like, that's my initial response. How am I going to figure this out? And sometimes I'll be spinning my wheels in my mind for a while. I mean, going to town. How am I going to figure this out? And it's not for me to figure out. It's for me to give it to the Lord. You know, there's things in your life that aren't for you to figure out. I don't get to figure out how my children are going to surrender to be all that God created them to be. I have to just give them to the Lord and know, Lord, I know what you've shared with me, that David will be my Elisha, that Lissa will be my little worship leader, that I'm going to stand on those things, and those promises are going to come to pass, and I need to just begin to praise him and thank him for those things. Thank you, Lord, for the mighty minister of God that you've called my son to be. Thank you for my daughter that she has those fingers that can play that keyboard and that music that will touch the hearts and the anointing. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing. We have to just begin to thank him and not let the cares of the world and this life trick us. You know, the enemy wants to point out every little thing about my kids contrary to those promises. And so we have to fight. We have to fight. It is a fight. And how do we fight? We fight by saying, get thee behind me, Satan. Let's open this Bible. Lord, what does your word say? Show me some of your promises, Lord. Let me know. Yes, it is a book of promise. Thank you, Brother Terry. It is our promises. These are our promises. And these promises aren't just for some of us. This promise over here isn't just for Sister Liz, and this promise over here just isn't for Brother Gary. All of these promises are for all of us. All of God's promises are for all of us. Have you been feeling anxious, worried, troubled? What are you thinking about? What consumes your mind? Have no fear. The Prince of Peace is here. Isaiah 9-6 is foretelling of who is to come. And it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That is the God we serve. And he's alive today. I love that Wonderful Counselor. He's such a Wonderful Counselor. Because when you can push all that craziness out of your mind, and you can get down on your knees, and you can say, Lord, I do not know. I do not know. I do not know. You don't need to know. You probably can't even know. 
because his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts, right? Your little pea brain, Shannon, can't even comprehend. You think you're so smart, but you can't comprehend what I have planned for you, what I have planned for them, what's going on. What looks like death and destruction for you is me, the master strategist. I'm just setting things in motion for you. Stop fearing. Stop bucking what I have going on in your life. And that's what he wants you to know, Susan. All those things that have you so wound up and not able to believe and have trust, he wants you to know, I'm positioning you for what I have for you. And sometimes it's painful when the Lord begins to position us for what he has for us because we want to see with these natural eyes when he's saying, "Uh uh-uh, it's the spirit man. Let the spirit man rise up within you that has trust in me that I am setting things in motion for you. I'm going to tell you what, when Jen talks about some of those trials that I went through, not, I'd say 95% of those had to do with my own doing. They were choices I made. I was rebellious. I was bad. (laughs) I was. I don't look like that now. I look nice. And (laughs) you would be surprised all of the choices in my life that created those hardships from addiction to rebellion to infidelity, all of those things. I participated in those things, and I wasn't ignorant to the word. I was raised in church, and I knew the Lord, and I walked out into rebellion. You think that the enemy didn't try to lie to me and steal my peace time after time again, telling me, you deserve this. That outcome that you're worried about, that is the outcome you deserve. And he would use the word of God to accuse me. Don't you know? He would tell me, God shall not be mocked. You will reap what you sow, Shannon. And I would get so worried. That accusing, lying devil would steal my peace and my joy time after time. And one day, the Holy Spirit started ministering to me and said, Yes, the law of reaping and sowing is true, but God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient to cover a multitude of sin. And when those things come back around and you have to take a bite of that bitter fruit that you once produced, oh, God's grace takes you through it in such a way that sometimes you don't even realize that you're reaping something that you have sown. God's grace is sufficient because when Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his blood for you and I, the work was complete for everything that had ever been done and everything that is going to ever be done, that it is finished, that he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making making intercession for you and I, that he's already conquered death, already conquered the grave. And isn't that the worst thing that can ever happen to us as a human being in our mind is to lie, right? I mean, to die. That's the worst That's the worst offense the enemy can have for us is to kill our fleshly man because then the hope is gone. But Jesus conquered that. It's null and void. It's null and void. We can trust in him. How do we do that? How, how, how? The Prince of Peace. How do we rest in him? Well, first we need to know where, where he is, what's going on with that. And my cousin posted this um, Joseph Prince video, and he gave this illustration that was, like, amazing to me. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. I'm not going to say steal it because I'm up here and I don't want to say steal it. But 
I'm going to use it. In Ephesians 1, 18 through 23, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. How many of you know he called us the hope? Hope, hope, hope. All hope is in him. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You and I have an inheritance. We are joint heirs to the throne with Christ Jesus. The word says it. We have a glorious inheritance. I'm a princess. I knew it. <laughs> and his, his incomparably great power for us who believe. There's power in the name of Jesus. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That's right. Our God's alive. He is not dead. And seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet. So picture that. Jesus, our brother. He's our brother, right? If we're joint heirs to the throne, that's my bro, Jesus. And here's Jesus sitting right here. What are you doing when you're sitting down? That's right. He's resting right here next to his big daddy God. I don't have a prop or anything to to signify God. He's too big to contain. Nothing would even do it justice. So Jesus is sitting here at rest next to his big daddy God who owns all, knows all, sees all, created all, and he's resting. And the enemy who lies to us and accuses us is all under his feet, under his feet, and he's just sitting here resting, and it's under his feet. When I think about what's under our feet, I think about all the little bugs I smash and all that. The Lord has the authority. That's what he does when things come against you mm -mm. while he's resting. But the key is, okay, Lord, so that's where you are. But the word tells us that's where we are too. Ephesians 2.6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So if Jesus is resting next to Father God and the Lord raised you and I up with him, where are we? Right next to him. Thank you with all those things under our feet. Right? But you see, the problem is, is you and I, we don't know that. Why don't we know that? Because we don't get in the Word. We don't study the Word of God. We don't realize that we are seated in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus, and all things that ever been and that are ever to come are under our feet. It is under your feet. And what happens is we don't know that, so the enemy walks around and taunts us. And when he walks around and taunts us, it tempts us to get up and out of a place of rest. Because when he's taunting us, we're getting out of our place of rest. Jen, you want to come back up? How many of you haven't realized where you are, your position, that all those things that have been worrying you are under your feet? The peace of God, we can have the peace of God. 
We just have to know how to fight that out in our prayers, right? In our prayers, using the word, I'm already seated with Christ Jesus. All those things are under my feet. That paper, I'm telling on myself, I have this paper that I have to write. (laughs) I hate writing because I don't feel the best at it. I don't like to do things that I don't feel the best at. And it's been robbing my mind. It's been like I dream about it. I feel anxious about it. It's this 10-page research paper and all this stuff. And it might sound petty to you, but to me, if I'm, having, if I'm losing sleep over it, it's an issue. And the Lord's like, have I not given you the ability to do all the things up until now? I do things on my job that I never had any education or training for. Not because I'm all that smart, but because I shut my office door and I lay hands on it. I said, Lord, you gave me this job. You gave me this job. You gave it to me. I didn't even ask for it. They came to me. You gave me this job. And you knew that they were going to assign this to me. And when you knew that they were going to assign it to me and you gave me this job, that means that you already equipped me with what I need to do it. So I pray that you bring that to my mind and that you rise up in power within me and enable me to do this. And five years later, there has never been anything that has crossed my desk that I haven't been able to do. And so the Lord brings all that to my mind when it's time for this paper. And he says, if you put the pen to the paper, I'll supply your every need. I'll supply every thought. And whatever it is that you're going through, the Lord wants you to know that if you put your faith in him and you take that first step in faith, that he will meet you there. He'll supply every need, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whatever the need is, the Lord wants you to know that he'll supply it. And when you know that you know that you know that he'll supply your every need, no matter where it is, then you will sit down and rest. And know that all those needs, all those things, every pick and devil, they're under your feet. That God has a plan and a purpose for you. And that he is putting things in motion for you. So that he could prosper you. That's his whole goal is that he prospers us. And that as he prospers us, that we reach out to others. That we can be his hands and his feet. He doesn't prosper us for our own gain. It's so that we could be the hands and the feet and reach out to others. That when his peace is abundant in our life, that others that are hurting in this lost and dying world will know God's peace is real. Liz walks with such a peace. And I know that she does all these things and she still has the peace of God. I want what she has. And Liz can stand up and say, sister, this is how I get it. Christ Jesus is my rock, he's my friend, he's my sustainer, and I rest with him sitting right next to Daddy God and all those things are under my feet. That's what the Lord wants us to know this morning. And sometimes hearing it in a message and reading it in the word doesn't feel like it's enough. And that's why we have an altar. Because then some of us can stand together and we can lay hands on you and we can bind together and pray with you. That the Lord would 
that a great manifestation of his love and his peace be in your life, that we can bind together with you and come against all those things that are trying to rob you of your peace, that the Lord's faithfulness will be shown and proven to you in your life. God is faithful to a thousand generations. That's what his word says. Faithful. I want to call the prayer team back up here. If anybody has any need this morning, if you've been struggling, if things are consuming your mind, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Thank you so much.